Welcome to the Special Delivery Podcast. I am your host, Special, and on this show, I like to do one of two things. Either I'm highlighting brand new music that's dropped, or I'm sitting down with an artist to break down their latest project, and that's what we're doing today. Coda the Friend joins me to break down his latest project, Photo, and we talked about everything. The cover art, the title, working with his family, having his old teacher on the project, working with Saba, producing a lot of the album, and so much more. So let's get into it. Hey, what's good, y'all? My name is Coda, and I'm from Brooklyn. Now we in Sacramento. Coda the friend is here. How you doing? I'm good. I can't complain. Life yeah, is yeah, good. Yeah. Sold yeah. out tour. It's crazy. You brought out Collaborate last night. How yeah. has the sold out Incredible tour been? It's been sold out and incredible. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's been it's been a whole vibe. Like just growing to this point where we can actually pack venues, you know, mm-hmm. and just perform to people that you know have been affected by the music mm-hmm. and it's just been this whole un- unbelievable experience and I feel like I have more to say about it when I actually like process it yeah. you know but it's been great yeah I love it so much we got to talk all about photo I want to get started with the title you talked about how this project is very sentimental it's a yeah. photo album of your past and it's really you coming to peace with a lot of things, but why the spelling of it, F-O-T-O? Was that an aesthetic thing? Because I know it was aesthetic for you to choose how you spelt your name. Mm-hmm. Why F-O-T-O? F-O-T-O, because it's just, it's simplified. I like to simplify everything, you know? And so, photo is, that's how you say it, you know? Without, like, without the P-H, you say it with an F, you know? And so, that's kind of why I did it, just to make it as simple as possible. And that's how I look at it, you know? Yeah. I love that. And then as far as the artwork, where is that picture from? And was it intentional for you not to be on the cover and just kind of include a group of people? What was the idea behind the artwork? It's so crazy you're the first person to ever ask about that. Yeah, That picture was actually a picture of me and my friends. Uh, like had to be like 10 years ago, like 10 plus years ago. Yeah. One of my friends took it with his camera. Like he had like a nice professional camera. He was the only one with something like that at the time. And he just randomly was taking pictures and he took that picture. And for me, when I look at it, like the picture of our feet, you know, and some hands, we're in a cipher, pla- like passing a blunt. You know what I mean? That's like the whole picture. But it's just like, it reminds me of like, that was our, you know, youth, you know, together. And we had each other and escaping everything together and learning and the bad and the great and the good times and bad times and the like immature and just the angst and everything and so that's why I use that picture because it kind of embodies my whole upbringing you know definitely then we're just gonna get into the tracks first track full bloom sunlit crib sunday vibe sunday service hope i serve my purpose when i die when i'm gone Asking God, is there more? Am I real? Uh, my woman, a real. Your teacher, Richard Parker, mm-hmm. not only playing the sax, but he did the intro, the kind of like poem in the beginning too, right? Oh no, no, that was my uncle. Oh, that okay, gotcha, uncle. gotcha. That makes sense. But he That's played the sax. You know? What was that experience like? Bringing your teacher back and being like, I want you to play on a couple of the songs on the project, actually. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing because this man taught me how to do what I'm doing. You know. And the fact that I could, you know, bring him back and, like, be at this point where I can put him on a song, and now, you know, it's it's just, like, it's this unbelievable experience because 
everything comes full circle where we can work together on a song when you were teaching me when I didn't know anything, you know? It's like, that's beautiful. And so I, honestly, I learned from that. I learned that, yo, you can do stuff like that, you know? And it's not, I've always looked at life as just this, doesn't have a ceiling, you know? It doesn't have a, and so doing that helped me realize that you can do more stuff just like that, you know? Where you can bring people from your past to create something beautiful that will live forever. And then you mentioned your uncle doing the intro on it. What was that experience like? Did he already have something prepared? Did you kind of talk to him and say, hey, this is what I want it to sound like? What does that process look like? Um, my uncle just has the best speaking voice I've ever heard in my life. And so I was thinking, yeah, I want somebody to play this role on my album as this like really older person that just has all this wisdom, you know? And I instantly thought of him. I got him in told him to come to my apartment. He recorded that and it was just, he, he hit it right on the nail, like right on the nose in one take. And I was just looking at him like, what? Like, how do you, like, how did you do that? And, but he used to be an actor too. Like he used to act and so it was kind of second nature for him to just read the script and just kill it. And I loved it, man. He did that, I was like, this is perfect. Yeah. That leads me to think about the interludes throughout the project. Mm -hmm. Those interludes with family members, what did those look like? Was it you just kind of talking to them and kind of secretly recording? Mm -hmm. Or I feel like some of them are a different quality, so maybe you brought people into the booth. What did those interludes look like? I asked them, I told them, yo, I wanna, you know, record some stuff for my album. Like just y'all telling some stories that have never been, you know, told or, and I just put my phone, my cell phone down in the middle of the table. Like anybody, imagine your dinner table. And I just put it down in the middle of the table and just press record, and that was it. I asked him questions. I asked him about my grandfather that I had never met, you know. I asked him about, you know, people in my family that I didn't know much about. And, you know, situations that, you know, had, had to do with me. And, you know, I learned stuff about myself, and they taught me things that, some of those things, stories that you hear, on the album, I'd never heard until they told me. So it's almost like we're both learning about, you know, my, my family and my past and how I was as a child and things like that. That's so priceless. Then we get to church. We could take a boat ride. We could make a milli with no cosign. We could go to Europe. We could go to Africa, winter in Johannesburg. It don't really matter, love. We ain't in the competition. Ain't nobody catching up. Young, free, and black with a whole lot of stamina. We are more than okay. Still reminiscing on our old days. Is that the sample of the Toby Lou song, Darling? Or did you guys use the same sample? Or what's the, the makeup of it? Uh, we used the same sample. But I didn't know that. I didn't hear the song until people were telling me, oh, this sounds like Toby Lou's Darling. But that's when I became a fan of him, when I heard the song. Like, cause people were telling me, yo, listen to the song, Toby Lou uses the same sample. Then I heard his song and I was like, oh, this is dope. And I found out he's actually a really dope artist, you know? So yeah, we just used the same sample. And then Birdie with Hello O'Shea, you've known him since you were in school, right? Mm -hmm. What was it like getting in the studio with him? I know you've worked with him plenty of times throughout the projects, but for this project specifically, what was it like working with him? Um, it was kind of like, both of us working at our max potential, you know, because I had known him for so many years. I'd seen him through every stage, but we've seen each other through so many stages as far as musical talent and even as people. 
And working with him now is just like he, I was just watching him like lay down, you know, the background vocals and come up with the melodies and come up with the harmonies. And I'm just watching him like, yo, this man is really grown into a great musician, you know, and he's he uses his voice and his brain to create just these harmonies. And I, I was just honestly so proud to call him my friend and to say that I'm working with him. So, yeah. Good, good stuff. And then Hollywood. Yeah, I changed up. I'm a new me. Ain't no kind of money finna woo me. Smack you if I see you wearing Gucci. I've been doing good though. I know you ain't asking, you really wanna throw shade. I know all about that. I know all about you. Thought I couldn't bounce back, made it here without you. I think that your take on that track is so interesting because I think people in general, but especially independent artists, independent creators, mm -hmm. we spend so much time not wanting to be Hollywood and wanting to be down the earth. And you really took a different spin on you're like, OK, well, if you think I'm Hollywood, then fuck it, whatever. It, mm -hmm. It's good. And really highlighting the fact that most of the people who say you're Hollywood weren't around mm -hmm. when you were really grinding and really trying to make everything happen. What was it like writing that song and really coming to terms with that? Yeah, I think um, when I was making Hollywood, it was just, you know, frustrated. But when you're frustrated with people's, you know, trying to get in contact with you or try, feeling like you owe them something when you've just been working so hard by yourself. And the only people really worth anything are the people that, you know, have really been there for you and really, like, you know, stuck it out with you and, you know, were there to give you advice when you needed it and give you money when you needed it and, you know, put you on the bus and put you on the train and, like, just, you know, your family, you know, like my kid, my, you know, my mom, my dad, my friends who really have been there, you know. And so I think people get caught up, especially anybody that gains success, they get caught up with trying to make everybody like them, you know. And so I'll never forget the moment where I decided that I didn't care if people liked me because I realized that once I'm not popping, they're not going to care about me, you know. And so that's really where I gauge. That's really how I think about things. It's like who's going to care about me when this is all done? And so and that's why I put my son above everybody, you know. And I'll sacrifice anything and anybody for him because I know he's gonna love me, you know, no matter what. And he looks at me like I'm dad, no matter, he, I, I don't have to do this for him to like me, you know? And so you really put everything into perspective. Like, so that song is really about putting everything into perspective where it's like, where are you putting your energy? Are you putting it to your family? Are you putting it to these people that don't really care about you and only care for the moment, so. Yeah. It's always interesting, too. The people that were actually around and the people that are family aren't even going to ask for anything, so they're not going to think you're Hollywood. Mm -hmm. They're happy exactly. for you, but are yeah. don't need anything, don't want anything. They're exactly. just happy. Yeah, And so also, it's just like Hollywood. Like, the whole concept of it mm -hmm. is like, you. I feel like you're only Hollywood when you turn your back on the people that always held you down, yeah. you know? And you're not Hollywood. Like, people will say, because well, I'm not hitting you up. It's like, nah, bro. Like, you weren't there, you know what I mean? And I'm trying to give my energy to those people and I can't share it with you because it's already here, you know? So that's it. 
Yeah, it's really like if you think I'm Hollywood, then okay. But yeah, the people who are really exactly. down don't even think I'm exactly. Hollywood. So they will never. It's they good. will never. <laughs> then we get to Alkaline. Lately, I just say I'm out of town. Cause I don't really care to be around. I've been making up for my mistakes. I've been through a lot. I need a break. More life. Never call. Wrong place at the wrong time. I ain't had no chicken in a long time. I ain't seen my youngin' in a fortnight. Got a demon trigger in the Porsche light. Oh, nah. My favorite line is, they say karma is a bitch, but I don't let them talk about my friends. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Where did that come from? And, and really, once again, just coming to terms with the fact that karma is actually a good friend and plays an incredible role in everybody's lives. What was that line like writing it? It's just like saying, you know, you, you can't get mad at the natural process of things, you know? If you dish out bad, you're going to get bad, you know? It's like you can't get mad when if you do bad things, if you put out negative energy into the world and it comes back to you, you can't be upset. And so the, the main thing is, like, trying to do better, which is what the whole song is about, you know? Trying to do better and trying to be better, so. And then Sedona. I've been in Sedona, I don't got a phone. Honestly, I'd rather if I die alone. Do it really matter what a hater say? Higher that I go up, they just fade away. You could find me walking on the Ave any day, ayy. Fuck a umbrella, cause I like it when it rain, ayy. Always see me smiling, but I'm hella overwhelmed. I'ma probably die single, cause I need my fucking space. I got leeches in my phone. I got There's drama. a dope line on that one, too. Sam Cooke reincarnation. <laughs> Was that something that came to you, something somebody said? Where did that come from? Uh, I watched the Sam Cooke documentary and about his life and like his death and everything. And I learned things about him that I hadn't known, like how independent he was and how he was he started his own label and you know, he was the only black guy to do that at the time and this was like a time when that wasn't happening. And he was just striving for independence, independence for himself independence for his artists and the people he worked with. He wanted everybody to have the same amount of independence. And people didn't like that. His managers screwed him over. His, you know, people on his team screwed him over. And at the end, he didn't have anything, you know? And so I say Sam Cooke reincarnation because I feel like I can take that role. I can take on what he left. I can pick up what he left off and just, like, run with it. It's also, like, a message to all of the people that do shit like that, like bring people down. It's like, yeah, we're still doing it. I'm still here and I'm still gonna, I'm carrying a torch and I'm making shit happen for him, you know? And when I'm not here, there'll be somebody to do it for me. So you might as well just let us live, you feel me? You said you can, like, no, you are doing it right mm -hmm. now. Like, yeah. this is no joke. Like, sold out shows, incredible fans, incredible mm -hmm. projects. Like, you're doing it. So, Thank we you. appreciate you for it. <laughs> then we get to Chicago Diner. Tell me in Chicago, eh, hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey. Only hear about it, day, hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Hey. Looking at the sunroof. I ain't really tripping, but I'm hoping that you can't do, yeah. Tell me that she trying to save her. Produced by Origami, he produced um, also Alkaline. Mm -hmm. And then both Alkaline and Chicago Diner both are co-written by Philip. How do you pronounce his last Philip name? Thorne, Philip Thorne. Philip Thorne. What is it like working with both of them? Well, they're the same person. 
Yeah, oh, it's the same person. That's his real name. Yeah, that's his real name. Oh, yeah. You okay. look deep in the credits. You look deep in the credits I for that. That's, that's, that's what I <laughs> yeah. do for fun. You got to write the real names for the publishing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Nah, he's a great guy. He lives in Germany. And we never, we only met once, really. But we just have good chemistry musically. Like, when I found his beats, I was like, man, this dude is so talented. He's so dope. And there was one point where I was only recording to his beats, like before I actually started producing for myself again. And he was just this amazing talent where we just connected. And I learned a lot from his sound. I learned a lot from him, you know, just listening to him and how he used drums and how he used certain things. And I hadn't produced in probably like four or five years or something like that. I hadn't made a beat. Mm -hmm. And so when I wanted to make beats again, I was just like, bro, like, where should I start? Because I don't know. It's like a whole bunch of new stuff out. And I've just been recording, you know, over other people's beats. But I wanted to get back into it. And so he, he just put me on to a whole bunch of stuff. And he was like, yo, do this and go here. So he just is a great guy, you know, and musically the best, you know. That's so dope. And yeah, the rest of the tracks are all produced by you. As far as that process, did a lot of the writing come before the producing? Did the producing come before the writing? The production came first before anything. Sometimes I would just make like 10 beats in a day and I would just put it aside. I wouldn't even, I would just make beats because I knew that I was on a schedule. And so I, I put myself on a schedule, by the way, like just like a label would, you know. When I wanted to release the album at a certain time. Like I made all of the beats, you know, as fast as I can, as much as I can. And then I would go back and I would listen and see what I liked, what, what stuck, what didn't stick, what I didn't like. And then I would start the writing process. How did all the instruments that you play tie into the production of this album? Mm -hmm. Did you use mm -hmm. different sampling machines or what did the production look like? Uh, I use samples. I use samples like royalty free samples. <laughs> I would play like the bass, like the bass line on any track. On all of the tracks, I did the bass lines. And sometimes I would add keys and the drums. I would, I didn't, I don't actually play drums, but I would like use, I would, you know, manipulate the drums and stuff like that. So I feel like next time for the next album, I really like put in way more like live instrumentation and really get creative with that. That's why you got to keep, you know, changing it up. You can't give them everything at once. Exactly. You feel me? And we'll talk about the next album after yeah. this. We got to get through the track list. Uh, that leads us to Bagels with Lizzie Ashley. Every photo I pass by, but at least I don't got to face who I really am. Damn. I need my space every day. I need to regenerate. I know I'm awkward as fuck, but I like me anyway. But I've been liking you too. I want to share me with you. I want to share me with you. We could get together, get some coffee and some bagels. I just want to kick it with you. I ain't trying to change you. I just want to... Introduce us to Lizzie Ashley. Yeah, Lizzie Ashley is a dope artist from New York. And she's a dope singer. And she um, is real talented. Yeah. We get to Solar Return with Saba. I was mm -hmm. so happy to see him on the track list. Nice. See you when I'm back home. See you when I'm back home. You know I'ma come back. You know I'ma come back. Don't you be sad, no. Don't you be sad, no. You know I don't want that. Uh, you know I don't want that. Yeah. And on the bigger, better stuff from sleeping on a mega bus. I had to move around because I knew that it'd be better for us. Metaphors I never saw. What was it like working with him? Saba is just like a really talented rapper. He's a great lyricist. 
when I was making the album, I didn't want a whole bunch of features. And I think at the beginning I said, I want one, like one rap feature, like nothing else. And so finding out who that was gonna be was like the challenge. And a few months back, like before I actually put out the project, I heard uh, Calligraphy and I was just like, damn, you know, and that's the really the track that got me. And I was like, I realized that he was a one of one, you know? And so I decided that if I'm gonna have somebody on my album, it's gonna be like that. It's gonna be somebody like that. And so getting him on the album was dope. Like meeting him was dope. He was on tour for all the time where I was like asking him for the verse. So I was like, damn, I wonder if it's gonna happen. The album was about to come out. Like I had third verse in place of his verse, you know what I mean? Three, four days before I actually released the album, he was like, yo, I'm coming to New York and I'm gonna be at the studio. I'll record it tonight, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yo, perfect, let's do it. And so he came, he wrote the verse, it had to be like 30 minutes, and recorded it and laid it down. And that was that. The next day I sent it to my mixing engineer, he sent it back to me, and two days later, like the album came out, you know? So. Crazy, yeah. oh my goodness. And I think it's cool too, like even when you mentioned calligraphy, like his songwriting is so good that you say mm -hmm. calligraphy, the song starts playing in my head. Same thing with bagels. Like when I hear somebody say bagels, your song starts playing in my head. Yeah. Like you guys are such good songwriters, but also lyricists. So to mm -hmm. be able to come together on a track is just yeah. incredible. That leads us to mommy. You ain't gotta change. You ain't gotta play the game. Why you wanna be like everybody else? Boy, get your belt. Either that or I'ma get it for you. I better see some good grades or I'ma put it on you. You insecure and it don't make sense. You cute, smart, funny, and skilled. I know some people that- My goodness. <laughs> Talk about writing. The three different perspectives. What was it like writing that one? That one was, it was a deep one because I was writing from all the experiences of me and my friends, you know? and people I know, and it's, it was real. It's like, imagine going to school every day, and you know your friends are dealing with completely different things. It's just our experiences, and in a way, it was about like the experience of a young black child, you know, and like the pressures that come, that come with that in the community and things like that, and just, you know, mommy, it's about mommy, because it's about like a son's relationship with their mother, you know? And in the first verse, it's really about like this kid that doesn't have a lot, you know, financially has love, you know, which is important, but he doesn't see that. He doesn't appreciate the love because he feels like he's missing out on something else and I don't have money, we don't have money and we don't have this and that, but he has people that love him, he has parents that love him. And in the second verse, it's like this kid that is given everything from his parents, but he doesn't have love. And so he feels like he's at a deficit and then at the end, it's a kid that literally has nothing. No parents, no mom, no dad, nobody to come home to, nobody to say that they care. And he's just so appreciative and he's just looking to the future as if like, yo, I can't wait till I'm just out of this whole thing so I can give all of this to my kid, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's just this really like introspective track, you know, that not everybody is gonna get, but once you actually sit down and get it, it's like, it makes a lot of sense and those are the stories of me and my friends yeah it's just illustrated so beautifully it's very vivid you can mm -hmm. see all the different children and it's crazy then we get to uncle cal's interlude 
And he really goes into Backyard perfectly. So which came first, Uncle Cal's interlude or Backyard? Yeah, Backyard came first, you know. I got my uncle to do a whole bunch of just random stuff. He did more. We just didn't put everything on the album. But he killed that. And so I was like, that's amazing. And it, it came from just a conversation we were having while he was recording the intro. He, we were just having a random conversation, and he was basically talking about, oh, yeah, these young folk don't know how to party. They don't. And I was like, yo, you got to record that. We got to put that on the album. And so he did it, and it made sense. You know, it was a perfect transition. I love it. And then Koala. Why all caps on Koala? Mm, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Aesthetic, I think. Makes sense. I figured as much, but I'm like, I got to ask. That's dope. You was born in a hospital with incompetent doctors who didn't bother to press you against your mother's chest. But that's okay, cause Jehovah say that your mother blessed. And we are here to guide you through life and teach you what is best. Do not have your kids in a hospital, they don't give a fuck, especially about black folk. Learn how to deliver your own kids and have them at home, kid. And leave that placenta attached as long as you want, kid. It's different for black boys, harder for black girls. Start your own business venture, thrive in a black world where you when your homies don't gotta worry about getting fired and facing discrimination we are creators we don't go begging for placement where we are. four colored boys goodness gracious a lot of the songs that you make are really letters to different people and i feel like this one could easily be a letter to your son or it could be a letter to somebody else who did you envision when you were writing for colored boys yeah this is a letter directly to my son it's Really, that's really what it is. Cause when I, like the opening words are, you know, you were born in a hospital with incompetent doctors who didn't bother to press you against your mother's chest. The most personal line is the very first one from, and I wrote that because that was the truth. It's like, I watched the whole thing go down in, in the hospital when he was being born. And all I could think is like, yo, they don't care about us, you know? And in that moment, it was just like, I've never got that out of my mind, you know? And so, I remember how uncomfortable his mother was, you know? And how she was like, yo, where is he? Where's my baby? Like, he's not on my chest. And how after she was upset about it and you never get that twice, you know? And so in that moment, like, I I just wanted him to understand that, like that that happened, but it's okay because like, we're here to tell you how to do things different, you know? And I made that song because if something was to happen to me, he could have this audio recording of me telling him exactly what he needs to do to make, to be happy and to make good decisions and, you know, make good decisions for him and his family. So that song was just really directly to my son. You know, it's like through the years. It's like I took him through the years. I started from, you know, this is what you do when you're about to have a kid. Don't do this. You know, when you're younger, when you have friends, love your friends, you know, love them for who they are, you know, and like respect the people around you. Even if you have a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of car, whatever, you got to stay level-headed and you got to stay humble, you know, always treat your family good and always, no matter how much you work, always make time for your family. And it's just simple things that a lot of people need to hear, but especially, that's why some of it is like about race. Some of it is about race and some of it is just like, this is what you should know, period. You know, this is how you get to through life as a black man. This is how you're going to get through life as a man, you know, so. What do you 
even too, you did a great job at tying in women and girls and black mm -hmm. women and black girls. And it's like, it's so powerful that not only were you writing this to your son, but it gets to affect all of us. We all get that yeah. wisdom. The way you just painted that picture and really brought us in, it's like, oh, we all get this wisdom. Mm -hmm. So thank yeah, you. Because it's about all of us, mm -hmm. you know? We all need that. That's the thing. When you're telling anybody, when you're telling any girl or boy or whatever about life, you have to include women. I can't tell a boy how to live his life without including women, you know? Mm. It's a big part. Like, <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, so important. Then we get to good to be home. Cuffs leaning on their hands while the whole hood watch. Young G's pull up in the mad bins. Buildings used to burn to the ground way back when. Every other weekend, I know that I'm home. Just the realities of life. And I think you did such a great job of not saying anything was good or bad. Just it was real. And really, once again, painting pictures and really giving the reality of it all. And also expressing a lot of empathy, like saying that's somebody's daughter. Mm -hmm. What was it like, especially with how personal it was and such real situations? What was that writing process like? It was like, you know, going back into your childhood and just like, Pulling from painful memories and good memories, but the real stuff that happens when you're an immature kid, you know? And I think I made that song just to show the immaturity level, you know? And the things that kids are doing because they're kids and their, their minds aren't developed, you know? But it's like, man, they just have the freedom to do it. And this is what's happening. And it's just like, really, I think what it, I made that song to show like, we're fucked up for a reason, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of shit going on. Somebody would look at it like, yo, why are they depressed? Or why are they going through so much? It's because they're influenced by so much, so young, you know? And I, I, I called it good to be home because it's like, that's when you're walking down the blocks and you know, where you grew up, that's the stuff you think about. That could easily cross your mind. Like, I remember this happened on this block and this painful memory and that one, and it's just like, it can be overwhelming. So it's, it's ironic that it's called Good To Be Home, you know? But I made that song just to show like, yo, this is where we were and this is stuff that was happening. So it can kind of like, cause I think a lot of people, a lot of kids in every generation go through stuff just like that, you know? And they never say anything, you know? And because they don't say anything, the kids never know and the kids aren't hip and they don't, know how to deal with certain situations because nobody told them, nobody taught them. They're witnessing it for the first time and they're gonna go ahead with it because, man, I don't know what else to do. I don't know, nobody gave me other direction, you know? And so I'm, I put those stories out there to kind of like show the reality of like what's going on, yeah. And I think you do a good job of painting the pictures of those experiences, but also giving your reaction. And your reaction is almost kind of a response to that. You saw this weird shit happen and you went home and you hugged your girl and you made sure that she was good. And so I think that that's a response in itself and kind of showing people like, okay, if you have this experience, here's a way to react to it and this is how I reacted. You know what I mean? So it yeah. gives people the space for those experiences, but also kind of may guide them in a way that helps them through it in a sense. Yeah, I don't want to give myself that much credit. <laughs> yeah. I think I added that part to show even more immaturity. <laughs> you know what I mean? To show even more of an immature side. Mm. Because it's just like, you don't consider anybody. You know what I mean? Nobody is considered, you know? Except like, the, the, you live this selfish existence as a, as a child, as a teenager, yeah. you know? And 
you make decisions based off of how you feel and you keep people around because you want them around but you still want to do whatever you want to do so I didn't I didn't write that part to show like that I'm like you know I thought it was fucked up and you know I dipped and you know I didn't take any I, I, I wrote that in it to be like yo there was so many factors there was so many messed up things about it and none of it was cool so yeah I love that interpretation and that honesty so good then the last track photo Told her I would meet her in Namibia Weekend in Milwaukee, then we gotta catch the Philly bus Then we might as well just head to London And make a stop in Cali, cause I told them we was coming I think about you daily And when I'm calling for you, I just wonder if you hear me I wonder if you feel it like I still do Love of old, it just feel new I really hope you still you What we had was real life You had talked before about how it was hard to write Because it does go to such a deep, dark place how did you approach writing it? Um, it was just like, that was a t the toughest track for me to write because it was just so emotional. But I was just thinking about people from my past, you know? Things that I couldn't let go, you know? I couldn't let go of. They were just like hanging over my head every day, like haunting me and just making me feel, you know, insecure, making me feel uncomfortable day in, day out, day out for years, you know? And I kind of just, decided to put them all in that one song and just be like, yo, I'm putting this to bed right now, right here. And the first song is about one of my first girlfriends who, you know, we had a really tight relationship and, you know, I couldn't let it go. After it was done and after everything was like, had went south and I had done her wrong and things like that, I couldn't let it go, you know? And just finally allowing it to be what it was, you know? And even the second part was a friend that had did me wrong, had did me wrong, and I couldn't let that go because that was a big, I played a big part of why I didn't trust anybody for so long. And it's just, it's just, man, it's just the photo song. Like the song is just trying to put everything into perspective. Like, yo, these were the good times, you know. And at the end of the day, if we could keep these good times, and I can give this to you, then. You know, I can move on, you know? Always, like, don't forget that this happened, you know? We were there, we cared about each other, and we can grow from whatever it was, you know? So it's just kind of like taking the good out of every situation. Because when you see the bad and you take that with you, then you can never get over it, you know? And, and at the, the last verse was just about all of the people I had lost, you know? And just coming to terms with that. And it's the same thing where you take the good from everything that they left you. You got to take that. You got to use it to do better in life and to do better for other people. And that's it. It's like I left you with this photo or you left me with this photo, you know, and you kept the negative. So, yeah. I love that, though, because, you know, in hindsight, sometimes we only focus on the negative. It's like, no, there was good times there. Yeah, and, yeah. and like you said, if you just focus on the negative, then you're going to have a grudge and you're going to feel mm -hmm. bad about it. It's like, no, there was good times there. Remember those good times and hold on to it in a good place. And I just think that that song and really the whole album is just so therapeutic. Like, it's crazy mm -hmm. because it's so therapeutic for the listeners. So I can only imagine how therapeutic it was for you to make it. it. Like, just letting go of so many things and still holding almost everything in a good place, but really just letting a lot of things go. And there's such big themes on freedom and flowers that you incorporate. And I think mm -hmm. that those play a big part in growth and really getting on to the next place. So. 100%.
Anything else you want to say about photo? I think you got everything. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just, you know what it is. It's an introspective album mm -hmm. about love, about life, about, you know, drama and chaos and, you know, happiness, everything. Like anything that you could ever imagine, every emotion. I want people to feel everything. And then I can't get you out of here without asking. You tweeted today that's your next album. You said it's going to be recorded in South Africa. Mm -hmm. What can we expect from that? Goodness gracious. See, I have no idea. <laughs> we like All that. I can say is that now nah, I really decided that I'm going to record the album in South Africa. And I can see myself working with some dope South African artists. Mm -hmm. It'll be my first album made on African soil. Yes. And I'm happy to say that. No, it's such a life-changing experience. I talked to mm -hmm. Boss about his last album, Milky mm -hmm. Way, yeah. and just how inspired he was by going to different parts of Africa and just experiencing not only the culture, but the artists, like you said, and just yeah. how much that just really became part of his sound. So I think that what you come up with is going to be beautiful. So. Wow, thank you. <laughs> no problem. And that's it. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you. Yay. Peace. <laughs> and thank you so much for checking out this episode if you enjoyed it make sure to hit that follow or subscribe button on whatever you're listening on the next episode will be with merge so you don't want to miss that hit that subscribe button and if you want to reach out to me i'm on twitter at special says or on instagram it's at special says as well as always this episode is dedicated to marlon do what you can to stop senseless acts of gun violence